You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor Marks, and joining me is the one, the only one of God's own creatures, William Gallagher. Always a hesitation before the little kicker at the end. I think, which way is this going to go? Hello, the one, the only, the uh, all of that, Victor. Right, what's happening? What's <laughs> going on? What do you know? Uh, I know multitudes. What do you know? Very little, actually. It's embarrassing, to be fair. But you can fill me in, can't you? Shocking, shocking. Um, you know, Apple released the betas for macOS 10.15.4, iOS 13.4, iPadOS 13.4, tvOS 13.4, and watchOS, confusingly named, 6.2. Right. Okay. They aligned all of the other version numbers except the Mac and watchOS. I'm just saying. Guys, just what are they thinking about? They're amateurs, really, aren't they? I mean, yes, there's all the software updates, all this, but the numbers. Okay. So, so the question is: point four, relatively stable or getting more stable? Although betas are are still betas, but I mean, by by the time we get to a point four release, they've they've fixed the bugs that they intended to fix when they were releasing it with the point oh. They've fixed the bugs that they found internally after that. They fixed the bugs that people reported to them, and now they're on to a relatively stable kind of thing, and, and more bugs will crop up, I'm sure. Oh, but hang on, hang on. Hmm. Uh, does this mean they're actually onto the stage of adding new features? I mean, presumably not massive ones. They'll keep no, that I mean, year, but little uh, bits. at this point, they've sort of restored some of the features that, that they meant to release with kind of thing. Okay. Um, there are some interesting details. So first of all, a number of people looking at GUI stuff and, and interface figured out that the new beta actually puts back interface elements that had been taken away in previous versions. Okay. You know how iOS used to give you sort of a different gray color that indicated that there was a toolbar at the bottom and then the icons oh, populated yeah. that? Yes. That, that went away with 13. I didn't notice. And okay. is now back. Okay, I wonder if I'll notice now. Right. Probably not, but it's there as sort of a little affordance to indicate to you that this is separate from the content that you're actually scrolling. Okay, interesting. Who knows why? I know, not a big deal. Well, yeah. what is a big oh, yeah. deal is that full keyboard access in iOS Hello. seems to be popping up. It's not implemented entirely, but if you look in settings in iOS 13.4, full keyboard access is hiding there under accessibility keyboards, full keyboard access. Okay, I am a keyboard junkie. What have they given me in keyboards? What's, what am hope. I missing? They've given you hope, William. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm actually... The, the actual the settings pane is missing, but, but when you search for it, it's kind of, it's showing up. And so it's interesting because, you know, there, there'd be a focus ring that would tell you where your keyboard has focused if you were tabbing through elements or something like that. So this is this is interesting. Um, and the other thing that we're seeing among all of these releases is sort of this unification of, of partly this is due to Catalyst, right? Unification mm. of iOS apps and Mac apps and things like this. Um, you know, Home in, in Mac OS 10.15.4 gets rid of the spinning date picker. Okay, I didn't know that. I'm trying to remember the last time I used it in the home right. app. So but... there's a, a redesign. They're, they're, they're still working on what a compact picker looks like. But mm. it, the idea is that that spinning wheels thing that we've had since iPhone OS 1 makes sense on a touchscreen, but doesn't necessarily make sense on a Mac. And so how do these things come together so that we can use them across all of the platforms? This kind of unification is really interesting. You know, they, they could have done this years ago. They could have unified these platforms years ago. But that they're doing it now with all of this attention and intention says they know what the goal is. They know exactly where they're going with all of this. 
Can you tell what that goal is? No, but I, I think that it has a big impact for what a Mac is in the future and what an iPad is in the future. Okay, interesting. You know, there are little questions, right? There are lots of little questions along the way that we have to answer, and they're, they're, they come about in the announcement that we got yesterday of the ability to to sell iOS and Mac apps under the same purchase. Oh, yes, I saw that. I'm I'm assuming that's uh, they have to be Catalyst apps. Then that. Right? Even so, it, it has weird things, you know, developers, especially small indie developers, will do a thing where they'll TikTok, they'll flip-flop, and so one, one release, it's the iOS release, and the next release, it's the Mac release. But if you're selling them both at the same time, that becomes really interesting, and it also has weird, interesting effects for what upgrade cycles look like. I think, aren't we done with upgrade cycles? We just subscribe to everything now, and oh, all God of help. that's over. <laughs> the excitement of waiting for the new release, that's gone. You say oh. that, but Fantastical 3, yes, which is, yeah. is, by the way, I like Fantastical very much, been a devoted user of Fantastical since version 1, um, they released version 3 and changed model to subscription, and along the way gave uh, additional features to version 2 users, and version 2 users get every feature they've had in version 2, version 3 gets every version, they've, every feature they've had in version 2. I'll, I'll say this mm. correctly at some point, I promise. Um, they they, they've moved to the subscription model. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with upgrades and updates. I love Fantastical. And I'm a Fantastical 2 user, so I got all of the, the features I have brought into the new one. And actually, lots of the stuff they do, I don't even touch uh, anything to do with tasks and reminders in any calendar app. I have OmniFocus for that. So uh, I don't know what's going on, on that side, and I don't tend to need that sort of stuff. So I'm actually very happy with the version of Fantastical I have, except... I, it is having bugs at the moment, and quite serious ones, and they're obviously fixing them right, left, and center, but um, just at the moment, it's uh, upsetting, really. Not every want, release goes smoothly. Back. Look, sometimes, sometimes software yeah. isn't released or launched so much as it escapes, uh, I'll leaving a trail of developer tears behind it. I once worked on a, a commercial BBC website that had a massive, massive relaunch. And, and the night it was happening at six o'clock when it was going to go live, they brought out this trolley full of bottles of champagne. Oh, God. And at two minutes past six, they wheeled the trolley back again because it had instantaneously gone so disastrously badly. Uh, uh, they lost. Did they, did they bring uh, out the trolley of bourbon or scotch or <laughs> something else with no. which to drown their tears? <laughs> No, I tend to focus on how many people got fired, but that's another thing Ooh, for it, oh, wow. yes. But as far as I know, that champagne is still in that BBC Worldwide building somewhere. Does it ferment? Does it go off? I don't know. But yeah, so I'm using going, and I'm sure you know Fantastical uh, fixing things, but I think it's a measure of how much I love it that I actually feel a bit bereft. Um, I've gone back to Apple's calendar one, and I... It's just not yeah. as good as Fantastical. But, but my greater point was not so much about Fantastical, which is wonderful, but that Catalyst yeah. is hugely important. And I, I early on thought of Catalyst as a stepping stone, and I thought that Swift UI was the most important part of this story. But I now think that I've revised my opinion and that they are both equally important, hugely so. Uh, I can see for new apps that come along. But uh, apps that I, I am deeply embedded with, have been around for years, have nobody's going to scrap their Mac version to redo the iOS one as Catalyst. So I, I'm less interested. I am more interested in Swift UI for new things. But, yeah. I think it's a longer term progression for people that have a, a stack that's been written for years and years. But the 
there there are more iOS developers than there are Mac developers, and it's it's an interesting transition that allows these two things to become one. Let's move on. I'm, I'm going to take a beat here, and I want William. Please tell us all about Masterclass. How much do you love Masterclass? Oh, Masterclass, completely. Love it. I was given it as a present, and I'm already thinking, I'm into February now. You get a, a year subscription, I've been given a year with it. Um, I, I feel like I'm running out of time in the year already because there are so many people I want to see in it. I, I've now completed um, uh, two. Aaron Sorkin, I just finished his writing advice section, which is weird. I feel like Aaron Sorkin is now my best pal after this, which is... <laughs> just embarrassing frankly but well, he's so him. interesting thanks um and also uh, many many times he says things that i think so i feel so vindicated <laughs> i'm either vindicated or i'm learning things oh he did disagree with something of mine and i thought yeah okay all right see your point yeah and, and jodie foster is um just an incredible watch the passion she has for directing uh things it's great and i'm now into uh, sondra rhymes uh, also about television writing but then actually i'm gonna i can see me exhausting all the film and tv and the writing stuff but then there's stuff about cooking and things and i find myself being tempted into all these areas that i've never even considered for it uh so yeah it's and so well produced actually. i mean they have really they have good. over 60 different instructors yeah and so it's you not could learn something from any one of them. You, there's there's something for everyone there. Yeah, Neil Gaiman is one of them. It's not like these are just your average corner shop experts. These are people at absolute top of the field. Absolutely. And they're all doing this. It's great. And you get hours now. The Aaron Sorkin one's about three hours. I think uh, Jodie Foster's around that. So it's probably about that for everybody. It's really detailed, very specific, and just great. What what were you most excited about learning? Oh, well, I'm surprised to say it because I'm a writer, um, but it was Jodie Foster and directing. I am going to direct a, a film, a uh, short film later this year, but uh, mostly because she's kind of persuaded me into it through this. Uh, I've heard her interviewed before, so I picked her out. She was the first one on the list. I thought I recognised her. I'll just try one. And the next thing you know, I'm three, three and a half hours into her stuff with it. So that was a surprise and, and a delight, actually. Uh, that somebody you think is really good can be so interesting in such a protracted, uh, intense kind of way. Actually, just great. I might watch it again for the fun of it. Fantastic. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as an Apple Insider podcast listener, you get 15% off the annual all-access pass. Go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. That's masterclass.com slash Apple Insider for 15% off masterclass. All right. In the U.S., we have a medical system that is a little different than your NHS over there, William. Mm -hmm. You pay for everything at the point of use kind of thing. Uh, more or less. Okay. Someday you must tell me the rest of the differences because it doesn't look like our NHS is going to be sold to various American companies, but that's... I can school you in exactly how your billing will happen next. Oh, God. Um, Thanks. <laughs> and anyway, we, we also have medical records, and there are health records firms that basically go in and and sell a hospital system on using their records system and so, so like all medical database. entry happens into their software interface and then goes into their database and then is is um you know shared around within that hospital system but even if another hospital system is using the same provider they hmm. they have a difficult time sharing records between the two 
So one of the firms is called Epic, Epic Systems. And Epic Systems will sell into one hospital system. And if you get seen in another hospital system that's also using Epic, they won't be able to share the records between the two, which as a patient right. can have some disadvantages. and also has a, a knock-on effect for how the doctors are able to treat effectively. There's a government policy proposal that would allow patients easy access to their own medical data. And this initiative has been supported by Apple and other tech industry players. Um, Epic is opposing it. Have they managed to conjure up any better idea, any better arguments than it would lose us money? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you their argument in a moment. But, you know, for, for some listeners, like if you're in the Nordics, for example, this will sound bizarre to you because you, you probably have access to all of your own medical records automatically, right? It's just a thing. That's You've always had access. They're your records. You've got them. Mm. In, in the United States, we don't. And in fact, if a doctor or a nurse or, or someone else enters something in your record in error, it can be immensely difficult to get it removed. Okay. It's hugely impossible to correct those kinds of things because they're the experts and they're the authorities. And when you tell them, nope, that's not right, they look at you and, and go, yeah, yeah, you're just making that up. Someone with authority put that in there. The record's correct. You're not. Um, so okay. CNBC obtained a letter to the Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar, uh, and it warned that this initiative to push through rules on data interoperability would be overly burdensome on America's health system and will endanger patient privacy. Okay. Is Health that and Human has proposed this plan to modify rules to allow patients to more easily obtain and share their personal data. The CEO of Epic, Judy Faulkner, urged hospitals to speak out against the new rules, and, and 60 major hospitals have signed on in support of Epic's effort. Now, Apple, Google, and Microsoft uh, are among the patient advocates and caregivers that came out in favor of these HHS rules. Well, I'm having a hard time uh, being on Epic's side on this. Is that, that just me with my NHS uh, perspective? It's not just you. It's not just you. So uh, along with the hospitals that are supporting Epic's letter, a few organizations sent similar pleas to HSS on their own accord. But not all Epic customers are in alignment on this. Um, a bunch of the firm's largest clients declined or failed to sign the butter in January. Okay. And my mind keeps coming back to this overly burdensome thing. I don't understand how that can be true. They'd have but, to fix their uh, stuff to be able to share it with customers. Well, this is killing They don't want to do the that. Idea, well, possibly a bad choice of phrase there. But the idea, I, this thing you said that it works within the hospital. So the doctor in front of me can see my record and the doctor down the hall from the ward can see it. Yeah. But I leave, I go on holiday and uh, have to visit another hospital. They can't. Correct. It's just... Yeah. I, I, so, woohoo, the whole hospital can see my records. That seems a, yeah. pointless. Me, but. but but there are a number of weird things like this. You know, I uh, I once had x-rays that I'd taken at one practice and went to a hospital to see another doctor there. And uh, so I'd come from outside the hospital with an x-ray and brought it in. And they were willing to scan my x-ray into their system so that they could um, have it available in the records there. But then cool. they didn't want to give it back to me because it was now a part of their record there and was their property, <laughs> they thought. Okay. All right. They, they, none of these things are set up for patient portability. They're set up for mm. lock-in. Yeah, and you understand the business model, but uh, business models being disrupted again. So that's good. What can uh, I tell what, you? I d speaking, you said, speaking of business models being disrupted, oh, no, tell me and then I'll tell you. Ooh. You said something, was it, You said 60 hospitals, something like that. Yeah, have, yeah. I don't know how many hospitals there are, actually, or how well, many work. So, with that so you have to be careful because there are we, – we, we classically, when you say hospital, you think of the one building, right? Mm-hmm. But there are, are hospital systems where the name of the hospital actually comprises many, many campuses. Okay. So it's a well, hospital I'm... system, right? You know, I have, I have just around me, normal providers are, um, 
there's Wake Med, there's UNC, University of North Carolina Hospital System, and Duke Medical Systems, Duke Hospitals. And Duke Hospitals doesn't just have a hospital at Duke in Durham, North Carolina. They have hospitals in Raleigh. They have hospitals all over. WakeMed has campuses all over. UNC similarly does. So one signatory might actually be a really substantial... Um, Very. Okay, right, right. I think you're going to move on, and my increasingly dizzy head would be happy with that. Where were you going to go to next? Well, you, you were talking about business disruption. Apple Watch mm. outsold all of the Swiss watch industry by volume in 2019. Okay. You know so, what this makes me think of? I, I can't even say it. Uh, you know the quote that was allegedly attributed no. to Johnny Ive? Uh, I, I, I can't say it. It's yeah. uh, And I can't remember the uh, authority for it. It was someone at the New York so Times. So there's this apocryphal it. kind of thing, right? You have this idea yeah. that there's a quote, but you can't can't pin down exactly where it went. I can tell said. you it was 2014, but, and I'm pretty sure it was the New York Times that relayed it, but it but, wasn't Johnny but, Ive on the record. So. But it was, it was about business disruption, let's say. Yes. That an older business felt, might be in trouble, perhaps. He felt the whole Swiss watch industry might have a bit of a hiccup yeah. because of the Apple Watch. Yeah. Well, and it's taken five years, six well, years. They, announced, they so, announced early on that they were doing this kind of thing, too. But the, the estimate says the Apple Watch shipped about 30.7 million units, which grew 36% from 22.5 million in 2018. That comes from Strategy Analytics. Their analyst, Stephen Waltzner, says it. Um, they think that the entire Swiss watch industry shipped about 21.1 million units in 2019, and they fell 13% from 24.2 million in 2018. You're the watch guy, though, aren't you? Do you think the Swiss uh, industry is moving towards, uh, just say, the luxury end of, of this market? I, I think there are some changes in the Swiss watch industry. So, first of all, there is definitely a push towards luxury market and increasing prices. There's also an artificial supply constraint where they're still trying to maintain a hold on authorized dealerships. And if you go into an authorized dealer and attempt to buy a watch, the watch you want may not be available to you and they'll tell you they don't have any. But if you happen to say, I'd like to buy two, please, one for my wife, then magically the safe opens and the watch is revealed. Okay, this is, this is, you're kidding. Yeah. I wish. What? Yeah. Okay. And for some reason, they're going out of business. I'm struggling to work this well, I don't. Th I, I would not say that they're going out of business, but there's definitely some shake-up. Um, right. The other thing that's happening is, is, so that works for retail stores. There's a number of people who are doing direct-to-consumer that are smaller brands, or what we call micro-brands, where they account for a very small portion of the pie, but in terms of... of fandom they're doing quite successfully because they they don't have retail margins they can reduce their prices to account for just their per, their their profits um and, and they can really focus on making a perfectly good watch that if you're buying from a swiss authorized dealer would cost significantly more okay my mind is still on the i want to please kidding kind of approach to buying a watch no seriously if if you ask if you know do you, do you have a submariner nope don't have submariners and yet if you say i would like to please or i i would like to purchase something else also there it's possible i i have seen photographs of the inside of the safes where they've said nope we don't have and then all of a sudden all the models you actually wanted are there right so maybe apple isn't just great at selling things but they're just not daft at not selling them there's that too but also other brands that historically were the the affordable or entry brands 
have inflated prices. And it just makes it that much harder to, to be that entry-level customer. Mind you, Apple Watch is not exactly cheap, is it? So No, no, it is not. Okay. But I love my But Apple it's also Watch. not as expensive as a Swiss watch either. I mean, well, it can be, but, you know, if you're talking about buying the entry-level model, you're talking about, what, 400 bucks? Yeah. 300, 400 bucks? What would an entry-level Swiss luxury watch be? Uh, in an authorized dealer shop, um, pushing about 1,500 bucks these days. Wow. What yeah. an unauthorized knockoff. <laughs> well, I mean, if you wanted something that had the same Swiss movement from a micro brand, you could do it closer to 500. Right. Okay. Basically, you're not talking me out of my Apple Watch. This I, I wasn't intending to. Us. No, okay, I think they're different customers. They really are different mm -hmm. customers. You know, there's the the Apple Watch is a modern technology product. The Swiss watch is a technology that that was pretty much refined in the early 20th century. And it's you have to have an affinity for gears and springs and moving things and craftsmanship that isn't really cherished in a robot doing pick and place of, of chips on a PCB. I can appreciate the crafts. Uh, I was going to say manship, but it's for men and women. I can appreciate the work, the artistry, yeah. um, but actually not that much. There you go. Different customers. Now, I need to keep us moving on here. The mm -hmm. FBI has yes. not yet accessed the data that's on the uh, Pensacola shooter's iPhone. Okay. So at a House Judiciary Committee meeting on Wednesday, FBI Director Chris Wray confirmed the lack of success in gaining access to any of the data held on the reconstructed iPhone. Okay. I fail to be surprised by this, but should, shouldn't I be? Did you think Apple would cave and well, create some system? No, I mean, then I did not think that Apple would cave, at least not so quickly. So that, that still is within my expectations. But I would have thought that they would have gone outside to celebrate or whoever else and gained access that way. Okay. Does that say to you that they hadn't got around to it yet or that Celebrite stuff isn't as good as Celebrite says? I I am expecting that they just haven't gone around to it. Okay. They they are you know, this is the second, third time round at this game of trying to, to push Apple into being compelled to break encryption. And uh, the last time, it all went away when they got around it by going out to Celebrite. Here, I expect that, that they're probably delaying doing that so that they can continue making an issue of it. Oh, okay. Yes, that makes sense. What I, I, it's a dangerous game that they're playing both for consumers but and, and also for um, what it means to, to design a product the way you wish without compulsion from, from government. But also, it's a dangerous game in that right now, Apple and other technology companies comply with requests and provide information and, and work with law enforcement um, through a process regularly. And it's it's um, what happens when you create a rift there? Hmm. What happens when you harm that existing relationship? I'm going to say not good things. Okay. That's my analysis. Yeah. Well, the, the short version is that there's no such thing as a backdoor just for good guys because any backdoor yeah. that exists can be exploited by bad guys. And bad guys and good guys are a matter of perspective depending on who's speaking. So, you know, the FBI think of themselves as the good guys, but the backdoor could be exploited by Russia, China, North Korea, uh, you know, any number of actors that you may not necessarily associate with good guys or bad guys or, or however you think of this framework. And so once you make something available, all countries are going to want it. Oh, unquestionably, and they're all going to get it, whether or not they're officially allowed it or not. They will have it. Pretty much. I, 
you said that to Max. It feels like recently I keep hearing uh, descriptions of bad actors, and you know, it used to be in drama, but now it's about espionage and things like this. Well, I mean, I like the term. It, it, people who do actions are actors, yes, mm-hmm. and they're bad as in the sense of what they're acting, not how well they do it or not. Yes, correct. Okay. But I'm just curious how you once you've heard a term once. Oh, uh, it's the Bader Meinhof syndrome, isn't it? Uh, mm. Once you've heard a term, once you hear it a lot, and I just seem to have recently been hearing it a lot. Oh, so, fine. new term to me. Speaking of hacking, WhatsApp, the uh, the client application, uh, has a critical security issue that could allow a hacker to read files stored on a user's device if the app isn't updated to the very latest patch. So this comes from research about a flaw found in 2017 where an attacker could change the text of a person's reply within WhatsApp. And there are a number of other security issues that have been found. And this is for the desktop version of WhatsApp for macOS and Windows, which has to be paired to a mobile version in order to work. And basically their content security policy opens the door to abuse. It's, it's a cross-site scripting problem, but it, it has uh, remote code execution attacks. It's, it's got a lot of issues. Okay. I'm just thinking, um, have you ever had a hack? I, I think WhatsApp is an ugly app. Has a hacker ever got in and just made something look nicer? Well, I mean, you can do things like change the wallpaper background. Okay. It's not Thriller Minute stuff, but okay. No. Yes. I mean, if, if you want to have someone to talk to, you're going to have to talk to Nick Clegg. The former British politician. Okay. Yeah. He insists, well, he's, he's the Facebook head of global affairs. Lucky you. I had forgotten that. And right. he insists that the app is secure. Uh, he was talking with the BBC and he insisted that encrypted messages could not be hacked into and that it couldn't have been any change to the message in transit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, okay. encryption doesn't matter if the message itself is hazardous to open. Okay. So, there we go. Tell you a little bit about Zapier. Zapier is probably something you may not have heard of, but... Let me, let, me, let me explain. Glowing business is difficult. It's really hard, especially when you're spending hours a day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to your CRM. And, and just you use all these different tools to manage different pieces of the business, and you have to move it around manually. But that can happen without you lifting a finger because Zapier can help. Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all your business software and handles the work for you so you can focus on the things that matter most. So you don't have to waste time on tasks that you know could be automated because Zapier is built to do just that. And using our special link, zapier.com slash Apple Insider, you can connect the apps you use most and let Zapier take it from there. So Zapier lets you instantly engage with leads, send them to your CRM or spreadsheet, and then notify your team so they can act on those opportunities. And that's just scratching the surface. There's there's more than 1,500 business applications. So you can combine them and, and automate them. The possibilities are endless. And it's easy to build the exact solution you need in minutes without writing code or asking developer help. Join more than 4.5 million people who are saving an average of 40 hours per month by using Zapier. And right now through the end of the month, try Zapier for free by going to our special link, zapier.com slash Apple Insider. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash Apple Insider for a 14-day trial. Zapier.com slash Apple Insider. Actually, I've got to try that myself. I used uh, Zapier for uh, a client a couple of years ago, and it was really useful. I kept meaning to use it in my stuff. Uh, now's the time. Okay. Oh. Now is absolutely the time. Well, William, thank you so much for being here with me. Well, thank you for having me. It's a treat to get to talk with you. Hi. It, it really is a delight. I enjoy this. Best part of my week right here. Excellent. Oh, that's very nice of you to say. Thank you. I would say the same, but uh, Angela's probably listening and she might look at me oddly. So, you know, uh, but between you and me, I agree. 
Where can people find you on the internet? Well, not only can you find me on Twitter as W Gallagher, but some people have. Can I just take this chance to say thank you to Michael Smith? He uh, tweeted after last week's episode where I mentioned my new video, YouTube series, 58 Keys. Uh, he wanted me to point out that uh, I should say there's no space between 58 and keys. So it's five out the digits and then keys because he had to really struggle to find me. And he put the effort in. He got me in the end. So thank you, uh, Michael, for that and for letting me know. Uh, I'm W Gallagher at Twitter and William at AppleInsider.com. Excellent. I'm V Marks on Twitter, and you can find me here on Apple Insider and also sometimes at RiskWalkReview.com. This has been the Apple Insider Podcast, and I am so glad you're here with us. We'll see you back next week. 